Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And in this podcast, we delve into the very insights and wisdom I used in my own recovery journey. If you haven't already, I invite you to join our community by hitting that follow button and leaving a rating. Every follow and every rating not only keeps this podcast alive, but it also extends our reach to more listeners worldwide, spreading the invaluable information that I share in this podcast. Your presence here matters and I genuinely appreciate every single one of you listening, so I hope you know that. So whether you're on the path to recovery, supporting someone on their own recovery journey, or just curious about this important topic, you're in the right place. So stay tuned for another empowering episode. Over to the show. Welcome back. So I am super excited for today's episode. It's an episode that I actually don't have personal experience with, and that's why I have brought an amazing guest on today. So I welcome Merit Elizabeth. So Merit, if you don't follow her on Instagram, she's an eating disorder recovery coach. She shares some valuable information and has personal experience in the kind of the binge bulimia cycle and with restriction, but really that niche down um, into that area, which I think is going to be really insightful for our conversation today about actually how do you recover from, you know, the binge restrict cycle, how to overcome it, her personal experience, um, and everything you need to know, really, that I don't have as much information on. So I'm very excited to introduce Merit. So Merit, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about this and hopefully for anyone listening, release some shame around this conversation as well. Well, I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. I'm actually based in Dallas, Texas. I did my undergrad here and I moved to LA for a little bit to work in the fashion industry. And while I was working there, I was also peer mentoring young women with eating disorders through a company called ANAD. And what I learned was that that side gig was so fulfilling. I wanted to make it my full-time job. And so I moved back to Dallas to receive my master's degree in health promotion management and a certification in eating disorder coaching from the Carolyn Costin Institute. And this passion to help people with eating disorders was really fueled by my own journey. I struggled with bulimia all throughout my adolescence, all throughout my college years. And Eventually, I got to full recovery, but I say it was kind of in a more unconventional way. I recovered really through the practice of mindfulness, looking at recovery as a more holistic idea rather than a one-size-fits-all. And that's what I wanted to bring into my coaching as well. But as you said earlier, I do have a lot of experience, you know, myself in the binge purge restrict cycle and helping others, you know, find freedom from that cycle as well. For sure. And I think with recovery, there's often, you know, a a protocol that is, can be plastered on social media or through information, even through a treatment team. And it, it doesn't always work for everyone, as you've mentioned, is like, is a very unique and personal mm-hmm. journey, one of which I'm sure you draw, drew upon various different methods and even, you know, maybe spirituality and faith. And I know that that was yeah. a really big thing for me on the kind of actually diving into my values as a human and looking on a spiritual level. 
So as you've mentioned, it wasn't necessarily a straightforward journey. So can you tell me a little bit about like the turning points or moments of realization that prompted you to seek help or, or, you know, make those recovery changes? Well, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but my journey, there was a lot of ups and downs, you know, there was years even where I felt better in recovery years where I wasn't really trying to recover, where I wasn't actually taking action to recover. And I think, you know, that was almost a decade of my life. And eventually I got to a point where I said, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be in this up and down roller coaster of emotions. I I want to feel happy. I want to feel healthy every single day. And I deserve that. And so I think I got to a point where I was so fed up and I was ready to ready to take recovery into my own hands. And that's when I really found full recovery, when I was really motivated, when I had that internal spark for recovery, if that makes sense. For sure. And I suppose thinking a bit about your own recovery journey, what did you end up kind of doing it alone or did you manage to kind of seek some support there? What kind of led you to seek help or at least Mm -hmm. self-help? I did seek help. Um, I had, you know, I worked with a dietitian and a therapist for a while. Eventually when I was kind of feeling better on my own, I was ready to take a more independent approach to this journey and kind of go all the way by by myself. I would say I, I wanted to make it to the finish line, you know, on my own terms, do things a little bit differently. And that's where I found mindfulness to be so special and imperative to my journey. I started meditating. I, as you mentioned, I, you know, dove a little bit deeper into my spirituality and what it means to me to be, you know, here on earth. What's my mission? What's my purpose? And so asking myself those deeper questions and really reflecting, that was where I found full recovery. And I think to answer your earlier question, you know, what really led me to seek help, I think it was just being in a place where I was just done. I was just done feeling the way I had felt and I I wanted to feel better. Many other people I'm sure are struggling with breaking free from this binge purge restrict cycle. Yeah. Are you able to share some specific strategies? You mentioned mindfulness, but you know, other things that you were instrumental in helping you overcome this cycle because it's often very cyclical. It's very cyclical. It is. I was thinking about how to answer this question because I get asked it often, you know, what are the best strategies for getting out of the binge purge cycle? And I think the number one thing that I'll say first and foremost is that you can't do this on your own. Go and get help, whatever that is for you. It could be a therapist, a dietitian, a coach, reaching out to a friend first or a family member first, you know, or an online course, whatever it is, seek help because doing this on your own is just too hard. You know, at least initially, you need to be able to talk to someone about this. You need to be able to release some of that shame. And so, I know it isn't a strategy, but I think first and foremost, that's what everyone who wishes to get out of the cycle needs to be doing. They need to be reaching out and getting support in some kind of way. For sure. And I suppose, you know, actually looking at, you know, support from a treatment team could involve, I suppose, the nutritional aspect and also behaviors. Absolutely. Did you find that regularity in eating was a big key component of, of overcoming this? I was just going to say, I 
think, take a look at your nutrition, you know, for a lot of people in the binge purge cycle, what happens is, you know, maybe we skip breakfast or maybe we don't have a satisfying breakfast and then we think it's okay to skip lunch. And then by the end of the day, you're so starving that you end up binging and purging, or maybe you do eat three meals a day, but they're so unsatisfying that at the day, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're really wanting chips or you're wanting dessert, or you're wanting something that you denied yourself of in the beginning, in the middle of the day. And so taking a look at, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, are these options really nourishing, really satisfying for you? And that is super important in terms of actually finding freedom from the binge purge cycle. We need to take a look at nutrition. We need to make sure that what we're putting into our body is fueling us in a positive way, that we're choosing options that are truly satisfying. For sure. And you mentioned a key point there, and I speak a lot with clients about this, um, about putting food on a pedestal or or labeling it as good or bad. And I think when you do label it as good or bad, the bad food, to some degree, is put further up on that pedestal, which then triggers that I want this. Because as human beings, annoyingly, we all want what we can't have. It's a very fundamental human behavior and and thought process so when we're doing that with food we want what we can't have and we've told ourselves we can't have these foods and therefore we binge on them so I think a big key of of it is allowing all foods into your diet and that's not to say that you have to eat them at every meal nor probably would you have the craving to eat them at every meal but I know for me it's about including that fun aspect to my day to my new nutrition and not removing food rules I don't know if if that's what you know you've had to go through or you've seen in in clients I did and that was a huge mindset shift for me as well I had to stop looking at food as bad versus good I had to stop creating this hierarchy in my mind and when I could finally break that barrier, when I could finally look at food as equal, the pressure to choose the right option drifted away. For sure. And I suppose, you know, with that is, I often think that people have like fear foods or forbidden foods. And would you say that it's about bringing that to the surface and actually challenging the feared foods? Is that important in this cycle? That is hugely important. And that was definitely something I had to go through in my recovery as well, incorporating more of those fear foods into my daily life. And like you said, with the food rules, when I broke those food rules, when I was, you know, able to actually eliminate them, the pressure went away. I was able to make choices more freely. And with these food rules too, you know, they're not based in logic. They're all based in fear. They're all they're all based in emotion. They have nothing to do with what's actually good or bad for your body. And so oftentimes I ask clients to write down a list of their food rules so we can really look at them and say, how is this serving you? Because the odds are it's not serving you at all. It's making things a lot worse. For sure. And and the food rules is not just around foods. I think there's a lot of things around specific macronutrients and also timings, mm. etc. Timing, and that's a huge it's a big one. thing. Because with timing, like you said, pushing off things or or not having things, you know, but that only fuel, restriction only fuels the fire because the body is not designed to go long periods without nutrition. You know, that there, there is definitely different schools of thought, um, you know, when in the you could say within the intermittent fasting community, not as which I'm going to give opinions that I hold myself on that. 
However, really for, for women especially, we're not designed to go long periods without food. It really messes up our hormonal regulation and our, you know, ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone. The cortisol rises, the ghrelin rises, and that's why we would tend to binge. And it mm-hmm. might not be actually a binge, quote unquote. It's really what the body needs, but it condensed into a small frame, um, time frame. So I think that's why regularity in eating, and that does can well, it looks as of three square meals and snacks, you know, to the degree of what, you know, you include snacks in, I would always say three meals, three snacks, but I think everyone is unique. And that's why seeing a nutritionist or a dietitian is useful. But again, you can do a lot of this on, on your own. And, and thinking about a support system, then you mentioned do go alone. And I think when we think about professional help, some people don't have access to professional help and that is, mm-hmm. it's a struggle, but it is common you know I think we live in a a different financial climate but you know thinking about a support system you know who were the key people in your life or or what resources did you turn to that provided I suppose that clarity and and support and care that you needed during recovery Mm -hmm. well my family was a huge support system for me I had a lot of trouble letting friends in I did eventually so I put a lot of you know trust into my family to support me during that time I did have a therapist and a dietitian um a lot of times people with bulimia because there's such a shame element won't feel comfortable attending support groups um but that is another option for people who are comfortable with that you know there's a lot of great free uh, support groups out there that people can join. Um, but for me, it really was my family and I wish I had reached out to my friends sooner. And I do encourage anyone listening, you know, to maybe see if there's one friend who they feel comfortable trusting enough to talk to about this. And of course, you know, another option, there's recovery coaches. There really is no one size fits all approach. You, you have to figure out what works best for you, what you're most comfortable with, what suits your needs, your financial needs, whatever that might be. I also found a lot of inspiration, um, in books as well. I love reading. And so, um, informing myself of how my brain was working, how I'm capable of making changes in my brain. That was really empowering to me. I love the work of Joe Dispenza for anyone who's familiar, anyone who wants to look that up. That was very helpful for me in my recovery. What's that book about or series of books about? He has actually a few books, but he talks about neuroplasticity and how we all have the power to change our brains, to change our habits. And really his main philosophy is that we, we are the creator of our story. You know, we write our story. We're in charge. We have the power, you know, when we're in recovery, we have an eating disorder voice and a healthy self voice, but both are you and you have the power to choose to listen to the healthy self voice. For sure. And, you know, I'm thinking around other sorts of resources and yes, I'm probably biased, but podcasts do help, Um, you know, because it's, I always, and I don't know whether it's, it's just me, but there is a healing power of somebody's voice, you know, a voice of reason, a voice of knowledge. And when we think about the cycles of change, not everyone is ready to change or take action um, with the change yet. But for me, knowledge is power. And, you know, listening, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time on variety of topics, but 
I think if I was back in my very young teenage self and podcasts were as popular as they are now, I think it would have been pivotal in creating that change because you hear from people, you hear about, you know, truth and vulnerability and tips, you know, of how to actually start to change. And I think it's sometimes having that awareness of going, okay, I've got a problem here. What do I do about it? But if you don't know you've got a problem or if, you know, then you've not been made aware of, of maybe your issue being problematic, it can be really hard to create that change. I agree. I agree with everything you just said, especially, you know, that podcasts are so incredibly helpful nowadays. I don't think I knew that there were eating disorder recovery podcasts out there actually when I was recovering. But if I did know that, that would have been extremely helpful to me because like you said, you know, it's so easy to access. You can plug in your headphones and listen. It's totally private and really just get so much knowledge on how to heal yourself. And there are so many different eating disorder recovery podcasts now, so many great tools, so many different people sharing their stories. So there really is everything that you could want to find uh, on you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is that you listen to. I think you can always find the topic you're searching for, whatever niche topic in eating disorder recovery that is. For sure. And, you know, thinking about eating disorder recovery specifically, you know, you mentioned a topic that is actually related to a wide variety of mental wellness. You know, neuroplasticity is fundamental, you know, key part of the brain. So I think don't just siphon yourself or put yourself in the box of eating disorder recovery um, podcasts. You can look at a variety of different, you know, mental health and life tools um, and even just stuff that isn't eating disorder related at all like I love comedy and I love things that are going to make me laugh and I think laughter is a key or joy is a key to life and sometimes helps motivate you when things feel really hard and dark because it can um and I think when we think about you know the the binge purge cycle I think one thing that we've not mentioned is purging can take so many different forms as well And, you know, it doesn't just have to be typical, you know, what people assume as as purging. It can take forms like exercise as well. And it's about having that awareness of you are still valid if even if, you know, you don't fit a potential normal, quote unquote, and I hate that word, normal criteria. I don't know if, if if you agree with that or have any insights on that. If you don't fit, you know, the stereotype of what purging looks like, that's okay. There's still help out there for you and you deserve to get that help. For sure. And I think it is about awareness of what you're experiencing is not okay. I think a lot of the time, like like we've said about over-exercising, and I've recently done a podcast on over-exercising, because a lot of these behaviors are glorified in society, it can you can then feel a lack of validity or a lack of hope because you're like, oh, well, it's just normal, but it's actually to the degree to which it affects your life. You know, if you have an awareness that something's wrong and something's wrong, I'm always that you know your intuition. And, and again, like we were talking about, you know, whole body transformation. What are some emotional and physical shifts you noticed throughout your recovery process? Well, physically, I noticed that as I was getting closer to full recovery, my gut was healing. Um, I I know that I had a lot of 
issues with my gut in recovery, as many people do, especially people recovering from bulimia. And I was only able to heal through eating three full meals per day, eating snacks, being able to make better nutritional choices. And of course, once the purging stopped as well, I was feeling so much better physically. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. When you're in that cycle, you don't realize how much that's hurting you until you know you stop and you get to a better place in recovery. You can look back and say, oh my gosh, why was I doing that to myself? I feel so much better now. Um, mentally, I had to make a lot of mindset shifts. I had in the beginning of my recovery, I had looked at things through such a negative lens. You know, I felt like no one will understand what I'm going through. My brain works differently. I understand that other people can recover, but my eating disorder is different. I just, I don't fit that mold. And so I really had to shift my mindset and believe that full recovery was possible for anyone. If it was possible for someone else, why wouldn't it be possible for me? I'm not unique in that way. Right. And so I had to start looking at things through a much more positive lens. I had to start, you know, being more positive, talking to myself in a much kinder way. And that was a huge shift in my life. And for some people, you know, it's really hard to go from being super negative um, about yourself to being super positive. And so I encourage you to take a neutral approach, focus on, you know, being neutral toward yourself. If you can't say anything kind, at least try to say that you accept where you're at right now, but you're not going to say anything negative. And that was really helpful to me. For sure. The way we speak to ourselves is integral for a wide variety of mental health conditions. You know, it's also not losing hope in yourself. I think not losing hope that it's possible for you. I always call it the unicorn syndrome, you know, where you actually feel like, oh, well, it's not, you know, it's okay for everyone else, but it's not okay for for me. But you're not the unicorn in this situation. It's like, you know, it will work for you if you believe it will work for you. Like what you put your attention on grows. And if you put your attention on the negative, the negative will grow. If you put your attention on the positive, the positive will grow. And, and so, so on and so forth. And like you said, it's a, wherever you're at, in if you're in a place of acceptance, that is the first step. Maybe right. we'll get to a positive mindset. You know, that could be sporadically, but at least we will get there at some point. I like what you said about, you know, when you focus on the positive, it it grows, things get more positive. And that really is the truth. And I encourage all of my clients in recovery to make a recovery vision board to think about what they want the future to look like, what their goals and dreams are. And I talk a lot about this um, with my clients and on my Instagram, how actually to make this recovery vision board. But for me, it was a really key part in getting to full recovery, being able to, you know, see my goals every single day, put my vision board in my room. It, It helped me continue to hope, to hold on to that hope and to, you know, encourage the positive to grow. For sure. And, you know, the story you've shared today is is an inspiration to others and you know who might be facing similar challenges what are some kind of last words of of inspiration or advice that you could share with the the listeners before we end today well i i think one of the biggest tips for getting out of the binge purge cycle you know we've talked about nutrition we've talked about seeking support but for anyone who is working on 
you know, stopping those behaviors. I think one thing that can be really helpful is setting a timer. And so, you know, whether it's before you binge or after you binge, before you purge, if you can try to set a five minute timer, a 10 minute timer, and see if you can sit with those negative feelings that are coming up, see if you can delay that behavior as much as possible. And eventually, you know, the goal would be for the timer to get longer and longer. Maybe you get to a point where you can set a 25 minute timer and then maybe you don't want to purge at all. And so I encourage anyone listening to try that. See if you can't just start with a five or 10 minute timer to delay that behavior. Words, the final words of, yeah, Uh, I I think it is inspiration. Words of inspiration. Final words of inspiration. I, I think my final words are, you know, don't be afraid to go get help. You deserve help. You deserve to heal and you deserve to live your dream life. So don't be afraid to go out there and get it. Sure. And I think that's important. No matter what you're currently coping with is don't be scared to ask others for support, whatever that looks like. Um, So thank you for that. And, you know, so the listeners can, you know, find you. Um, can you let them know what kind of platforms you're on or where they can find you? Obviously I'll leave all the links in the show notes, but yeah. Yeah. My name on Instagram is Merit Elizabeth. You can find me there, but my website Merit Elizabeth recovery really has, you know, all of my services, my free newsletter, which is super helpful. Um, I also have an online course called Conquering Bulimia. So for anyone looking to get out of the binge purge cycle, that's a really great resource and it's more than half off. We interview experts in the eating disorder recovery field. There's a lot of strategies for getting out of the binge purge cycle. So definitely take a look at that if you are struggling with bulimia. And I work with people with all eating disorders, so you can find me on Instagram or my website, Merit Elizabeth Recovery. Amazing. And like I mentioned, I'll leave them all in the show notes if you're interested in, you know, finding out more resources on this topic and more. Um, But as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm pretty sure this will be our last episode before Christmas. So um, on that note, have a wonderful Christmas and not a happy new year yet, but a wonderful Christmas and you know keep you know holding that hope for your recovery it's possible for us all so thank you so much for listening thank you again merit and we'll speak soon bye-bye awesome thank you